Is this an April Fool's joke? The Chiefs exploring sites for a new stadium in Kansas. And is this another April prank? Nordstrom walking back plans to move to the plaza. Also this week, how a beer heiress is now upending the race for Missouri's U.S. Senate seat. He knelt to honor George Floyd. Now the police chief says he didn't really mean it. Plus your handy dandy guide to next week's big election. What, you didn't know there was one? Well, we have your back straight ahead. Week in Review is made possible through the generous support of AARP Kansas City, RSM, Dave and Jamie Cummings, Bob and Marlise Gorley, the Courtney S. Turner Charitable Trust, John H. Mize and Bank of America N.A. co-trustees, and by viewers like you. Thank you. Hi, I'm Nick Haynes, and it's good to have you with us on our journey through the news of our week. Fasten your seatbelt, put your tray table in the upright position. You never know what's going to happen next. Here are our flight attendants helping us navigate this choppy ride. From KCUR News, Lisa Rodriguez. From the Kansas City Star, Dave Helling. From the Call newspaper, Eric Wesson. And KNBC 9 political analyst, Michael Mahoney. Is this an April Fool's joke? The president of the Chiefs says the team is exploring sites for a new stadium in Kansas. During a wide-ranging interview with reporters at the NFL's off-season meeting in Florida, Mark Donovan claims the team has been pitched several options for a new stadium on the Kansas side. According to reports, the Legends area in Wyandotte County, which is already home to the Kansas Speedway and Children's Mercy Park, would likely be the top landing spot. But apparently, some locations in Johnson County are also being considered. So let me ask again, is this an April Fool's joke, Dave? No. Uh, uh, from everything we've been able to uh, ascertain, Nick, uh, the Chiefs, as would be expected, are taking a look at all of their options, but they've been doing this for years. There were rumors about moves to Kansas 25 years ago, the last time that the stadium's tax came up for discussion. So this isn't a big surprise. And the specifics are less important, Nick, than the general conclusion we can reach, which is the Chiefs are saying, don't forget about us. Whatever you're thinking about doing for the Kansas City Royals, including moving them downtown, we're going to get the same opportunities the baseball team gets. And uh, Mark Donovan, I think, was busy reminding people of that this week. Eric, are they really serious about this, though, or is this really a manipulative exercise to try and get Kansas City and, perhaps more importantly, Jackson County officials to open up the purse strings and say, we're going to throw lots of money at you to make sure you get whatever you want? Yeah, I think it's just... Uh a strategy move to one get a new stadium possibly a bigger stadium maybe getting a bigger place to have tailgate parties because that's a big sale i don't think anybody should be surprised that they're looking around around the metro dallas cowboys don't play in dallas the new york jets the new york giants don't play in new york they don't even play in new york state uh buffalo bills don't <laughs> play in buffalo new york the thing about it is it would stay in the metro what you're not hearing are the chiefs uh say hey look you know we're looking at San Antonio. We're looking at another uh, market. Lisa, it's been more than 25 years now since uh, Kansas City voters on both sides of the state line came together to vote on a bi-state tax that renovated the Union Station that we get to see today. Is this the winning combination, though, possibly now with this Chiefs? If the Chiefs were to move to Kansas and you'd have a downtown baseball stadium for the Royals, that you'd finally have an opportunity to get voters on both sides of the state line to say yes? No. 
not sure that that voters on the Missouri side are quite ready to let that stadium go yet. I I see possibly a, a greater likelihood of something like this reigniting this economic border war that that we've seen a little bit of a thaw in in the last few years in which Kansas is offering incentives to bring the stadium to their side of the state line, which has Missouri officials on alert to also offer incentives in there. It's unfortunate because in that situation, taxpayers are, are generally on the losing end of those border wars, as, as we've uh, all of our outlets have reported before. Just quickly, keep in mind, Nick, that whatever happens with the Chiefs and Royals, the cost to build two new stadiums in our area would be enormous, easily $2 billion combined. And it's extremely hard to see how Jackson County can spend that kind of money on its own. And so the idea of moving one of them to Kansas has been under discussion for some time and may become more prominent as the price tag becomes more uh, evident to the people in our area. You know, I know we have a lot of people in our audience, it may be you, who are actually uh, not convinced about this deal, still very skeptical. Can you be pranked with two April Fool's jokes in one week? <laughs> what are we to make uh, of this story? The Country Club Plaza's biggest catch may now be walking back its plans, according to a report in the Kansas City Star. Nordstrom no longer making its move from Oak Park Mall to the plaza. Instead, it's renewing its lease at the Overland Park Base Mall. Some of us are still scratching our heads. After one delay after another, the new plaza store is supposed to uh, open next year. What happened, Dave? Well, I think retail, the nature of retail is changing, Nick, and they're going to stay put in part because the finances may dictate it. The more important question, of course, is what this means for the plaza. What does it mean to the plaza if indeed this move takes place, uh, Lisa? I think that's it's a very concerning um, and critical moment for the plaza. Now we haven't we haven't confirmed this move um, from Nordstrom yet, so there's still more to learn about what's going on. But I think if you're a store owner on the plaza, there are real worries about what the future of this shopping district looks like. You know, you still have some of your restaurants there that are still doing pretty well, but a lot of places are moving from the plaza and it makes you wonder, have, has it outlived its history? Once, once a thriving area, or is it the management and the rent is too high in that area? You will hear smart people tell you that the future of the plaza isn't retail, but it's entertainment. It's restaurants, bars, you know, places where you can see live music and residential to build up residential. And that the idea of destination retail shopping uh, may in the next 10 to 20 years go away entirely. So that's uh, another trend to keep, uh, keep in mind as this story unfolds. Next up, what a difference a week makes just days after Missouri Senate candidate Eric Greitens was dominating our news cycle over new abuse allegations from his ex-wife. Could the Democrats have now found a new weapon to take the seat? An heiress to the Anheuser-Busch empire is now upending the race. When you say but, you say you care enough to only want the king of beers. I'm Trudy Bush Valentine. I'll put politics aside and put you and your family first. We'll show them we can work together. Trudy Bush Valentine is the daughter of beer baron August Anheuser-Busch, who built the company into the world's largest brewery. She has never run for elected office before, but she comes from one of the richest families in America, 16th richest, according to Forbes magazine. With more than $17 billion in family wealth, does that now make her the person to beat for Missouri's Senate seat or simply gives Democrats Michael Mahoney a slightly better chance of winning? 
No, it doesn't make her the person to beat. It does complicate the uh, Missouri Senate Democratic primary substantially. Former state, uh, state Senator Scott Sifton dropped out uh, just before the filing de deadline, immediately endorsed uh, Trudy Bush Valentine. Uh, Valentine, by virtue of the money that she may be able to access, could be a self-funded candidate. The chief rival to her right now, Lucas Kuntz, who has been the pace setter for money on both sides of the Missouri Senate prim primary, immediately called her a billionaire heiress. Uh, and is wondering about that. Lucas Kuntz, by the way, um, is a Marine veteran and from Independence, lives in Independence, Lisa. But what do we actually know about Trudy Valentine Bush, uh, other than the fact that most of us have, may have drunk a Budweiser at some point in our lives? What do we really know about her? There's not a lot that, that we know about her. We, we know that she that she's a nurse, that she's well-known in, in Democratic political circles and, and has been an active active in philanthropy. And we saw from, from her message from that initial campaign video that she um, has echoed this, this sentiment of coming back together, being a little bit more centrist, bringing both sides together. But as far as any specific policies, we're really scant on details right now. She also tried to make herself that she knows real problems. She may come from a wealthy family, but her son died from an opioid uh, 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 overdose, so knows about a lot of issues that are happening in real people's lives. Yeah, she says that, but she's still rich. Knowing about those issues and actually living those issues are always two different conversations. And I want to remind our, our viewers that Bloomberg had a ton of money and he still, it didn't matter. A lot of this has to do with Eric Greitens on the Republican side, Nick, because I think Democrats have thought for some time that if Greitens is the nominee, you need to have a candidate ready who can provide a contrast. And certainly this candidate would do that. Her family story compared with his problems, of course, uh, she would have a lot of money, as we've just discussed. Uh, and, and so it, I, I do think it changes in some ways the Republican calculus. Cast your mind back to the George Floyd protests in Kansas City. Do you remember one of the most iconic images during that time? The mayor and the police chief kneeling in solidarity with Black Lives Matter protesters. Now police chief Rick Smith says he didn't mean it. According to a Kansas City Star report, Smith told a closed-door meeting with police commanders that he felt pressured into doing things and saying things that he personally didn't believe in. Now, this is coming from an anonymous source who was in the room, and Chief Smith isn't commenting. But with just three weeks left before he hangs up his badge and retires, so what? Is this going to push him out the door earlier, Eric? Is it going to influence the search for a new police chief? No, it's not. It's not going to push him out any earlier... Uh, you know, I wasn't surprised. There was nothing in those uh, exposés that surprised me about the police department. I think it's one of those things that black people know that white people are just learning about uh, when it comes to the police chief. But I wasn't surprised by his comment. Uh, it seemed like it was just par for the course. Michael. I wondered at the time um, about uh, the sincerity of that. Uh, I will also say that if he told commanders I did that uh, just to go along and didn't really believe it, you know, given the dynamics and the atmosphere in that 
park at that at that moment when all these folks knelt, uh, knelt down and the chief of police didn't uh, kneel down, uh, it would have ratcheted up the tension that was already uh, uh, pretty high. So you're seeing it in a very different way. I mean, so that by swallowing his own beliefs, uh, Lisa, that the police chief may have stopped more violence and property damage in Kansas City. Certainly it would have been far worse had he not knelt in that moment. But I have to think hearing this be, you know, if you're a black police officer in this department and you've already experienced a history of these aggressions of un, uneven discipline to, in addition, hear that, have that trickle out from the, from the department that he really didn't mean it. I just, it, it's a, it's a wonder to me why, why anyone would stay it. I think it's just indicative of, of this culture that has permeated um, for black officers in the Kansas City Police Department. And, and to Eric's point, the fact that this is not a surprise is sad, is very sad. Well, this week, the search for Rick Smith's replacement as police chief entered a new phase as the first of half a dozen community listening sessions got underway to identify what the public wants in the city's next top cop. Too many times we'll hear people say that they weren't, they're not engaged or the reason that they're not engaged is because no one's asking. Well, we're asking. A group of black ministers have already made it clear that the next chief must come from out of state, including Kansas. Every resume from within the current department needs to be rejected, they say. Is that important to the public, too, at these listening sessions? Or do they have other priorities, Dave? Some people want more law enforcement, more cops, a tougher stance against crime. Others say, no, look, you need to get involved more in the community, uh, outreach, mental health, that type of thing. But you've identified, I think, the key question for the police board and for the mayor who's a member going forward. And that is, do you look for someone outside the department who might bring a new approach, a new culture uh, to the rank and file? Or do you just promote from within, which the Kansas City Police Department has done for decades? Uh, and do you in some ways expect the same outcome? Does anyone think that if you promoted someone else from the department, somehow it would change Overnight, the answer seems to be no. And so the threshold question is, do you continue that process or do you say, look, we need to look at other cities, other places, other approaches to crime to find someone to lead the department? And the jury is out on that. We just saw some video of well, the first uh, listening session and people didn't seem hot, uh, hot under the collar, Eric. They seemed to be pretty collegial and pleasant talking in little small groups about their feelings. Did we learn anything from that first listening session? Well, I'm going to be going to the listening session on Saturday. I wasn't at that one, but they did give a list of things that they would like to see. But the bottom line is it all falls on the Board of Police Commissioners, what they're going to do. And from promoting within, like Dave said, you, you, you might wind up with Rick Smith Part 2. And I don't think that that's in the best interest of the citizens of Kansas City, especially the Black community, because... He's been unattentive. Lisa. It's interesting that this this first listening session, and, and so far we just have one under our belt, uh, was, was held in the Northland at Northland Neighborhoods. This is the, the same place that held a big meeting when Kansas City attempted to redirect money away from the police department. So I do think that while we did hear calls for more transparency, we heard calls for increased police presence in the Northland, we didn't hear many responses to the STARS investigation of racism in the department. 
Um, but I think the following meetings are going to be the ones to watch. The ones this weekend as well may have a very different tone than this first one in the Northland, which has generally seen more support for Chief Smith and the police department. Next up, your handy-dandy guide to Tuesday's election in Kansas City. You mean you didn't know there was one? Well, you tracked the slap heard around the world at the Oscars. You expressed outrage that avocados are now at the highest price in 24 years. But you weren't aware you're going to vote on Tuesday. Don't worry, we have your back. It may not be glamorous to consider what happens after you flush, but voters on Tuesday in Kansas City are being asked to approve upgrades to the sewer system. Ambulances are also on the ballot as voters are asked to renew the city health care levy that brings in around $21 million a year to help support the ambulance service and to offset the costs to hospitals and clinics of providing free health care to those without insurance. Both one and two protect our wallets and won't raise taxes one cent. Supported by Mayor Lucas and Major Casey Health Providers, vote yes on questions one and two. Now, that's one of the ads from the Yes campaign. We'd love to show you one from the opponents, but there aren't any. In fact, I have to say I've never seen such little coverage of a local election than this one. Is there even anyone who has come forward to oppose any of these questions, Dave? Not that we're aware of. There hasn't been opposition really to the health levy increase for the many years that it's been on the ballot. Nick, people have come to accept it in Kansas City. I used to make the argument that once Obamacare passed and Medicaid expansion passed, both of which have happened in Missouri, that there would be very few uninsured people in the state. And for that reason, maybe the need for the health levy would go away. But that's been resisted dramatically by the hospital and local leaders. So it's likely to pass. And of course, sewer bonds almost always pass. People pay attention to that as well. I don't think there'll be huge turnout. If you get 10% of voters, it'll be a miracle on those two questions. Supporters say this, there is no tax increase if you support these measures. But isn't it true that if you vote no, your taxes act would actually go down, Lisa? Uh, potentially. I, I think that there would be, the city would be in a real, real desperate situation if, if this didn't pass to figure out how to pay for these um, for these services. And I think what, what at least supporters of the campaign are saying is that if, if this doesn't pass, then the costs will likely be passed along anyway through increased water and sewer rates, um, through increased billing for, for ambulance services. So it, it does appear that you, you may decrease taxes one place, but, but the cost would be passed on one way or but another. We subject now, just, can I say quickly, Nick, uh, the idea that your taxes won't go up is a little misleading because the value of your home has right. likely gone up, particularly right. in the inflationary environment we're in. Value of your home will go up, and if that's the case, your taxes are going And by the way, if that on a $100,000 home, that's $4 for that health levy. It's about $4. A $300,000 home, that's going to be about $12. Is that something you want to pay for? You decide that on Tuesday. Out in Independence on Tuesday, voters will be picking a new mayor after she came in second in a mayoral primary back in February. Eileen Weir said she was dropping out of the race, but not so fast. Now she's saying something different. I never said I was withdrawing. So I said I was ceasing my campaign. So help, what does that mean if she beats state lawmaker Roy Rowland on Tuesday? Will she now stay in office, Michael? Yeah, she will, but that's certainly not the message that Eileen Ware left with voters. I think most voters and in independents believed that Eileen Ware, the incumbent mayor, was not only ceasing her campaign, but dropping out. 
seems a little misleading, Lisa. It, it does. It's, it's a confused. I can't make sense of, of why this would be a, a position she wants to clarify now. Maybe my colleagues have a better idea, but I was I was generally confused by the news. Well, last fall, voters in Kansas were deciding contentious school board races that were pitting candidates against each other on divisive issues like mask mandates and critical race theory. Now it's Missouri's turn on Tuesday. We don't want to mask our children, and we want the right to decide. I did not sign up when I had children to co-parent with the government. If you have materials that you're providing where it says if you were born a white male, you were born an oppressor, you are abusing our children. Please get back to just teaching our children math, science, factual history, equity of opportunity, and teach them how to think and not what to think. Some scenes from earlier this year playing out on the Kansas side. Are these the issues that will also determine who gets to serve on school boards on the Missouri side of our state line next week? The answer is probably yes, particularly in smaller districts where people uh, are paying attention to these uh, debates and discussions in bigger districts, perhaps not as much. Low turnout elections are, all, are always driven by those who are paying close attention to the issues, not by the general public. And so that's likely to happen. And it's not just uh, smaller districts, uh, Dave. It is an issue for some candidates in the North Kansas City School District, and their elections are, are coming this week as well. Yeah, I, I will echo what Michael said about North Kansas City. We know at least one candidate there is 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 running against, you know, what, what he called tyrannical school board that currently exists. And you'll remember throughout the pandemic, uh, you, a group called the Northland Parents Association filed several lawsuits against the district, against masking, has uh, been supportive of, of taking removing books off the shelf that deal with LGBTQ issues or race. And so this is certainly a hot topic in the Northland. Those issues that Mike and Lisa were talking about are issues that affect parents to have kids in the school district. If, if these parents don't have kids, I don't know if it's enough to drive voter turnout. Is there a new issue competing for attention, too, with schools? A big shortage of cash. You may have seen the headlines this week as the Olathe School District announces 6% across-the-board budget cuts. That's wiping out many school library workers as the Metro's largest school district tries to manage enrollment drops and big hikes in operating costs as a result of the pandemic. These decisions are not made easily, and these are decisions that are really, really tough to make. Olathe is having to find $20 million to cut from its budget. Are money woes now beginning to hurt all of our districts, or is this just a isolated example, Dave? Olathe is sort of the canary in the coal mine in the sense that enrollments are dropping. And, uh, the, you know, parents are having fewer children. That's just the fact of it. And there are people and going and homeschooling their children or sending correct. their children there to are private alternatives schools. That are, right. There are alternatives that are more and more popular. When you couple all of that, there are just fewer kids going to public schools. And because, uh, at least to some degree, budgets are based on enrollment, uh, these decisions will face all districts. I will say cutting librarian assistance it seems like... Um, uh, a, a difficult decision to make, I'll put it that way. Every drop of water makes a mighty ocean, though, Lisa. I, 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 you're, you're not wrong there, but you do question cutting, uh, cutting people who are only making, you know, less than $15 an hour to, to begin with. I, I don't know if that's the, the most effective way to begin and certainly wasn't 
uh, a very well received by parents. These are probably some of the most popular positions and popular people in schools. Perhaps that was a purposeful effort to try and get lawmakers to say, oh, we're going to get so many complaints from parents, we have to throw money at schools. When you put a program like this together every week, you can't get to every story grabbing the headlines. So what was the big local story we missed? Is it March Madness or have we now moved into April anarchy? No matter what you call it, Jayhawk fever is contagious and it's spreading. Move over the Parade of Hearts, gigantic bunnies now taking over Kansas City. The immigration issue back in the spotlight in Kansas as lawmakers send to the governor a bill banning sanctuary cities. No longer can places like Wyandotte County and Roland Park tell police not to cooperate with immigration agents. Shots no longer required, the Kaufman Center dropping its vaccine requirement. And getting ready for opening day after the lockout delays the start of baseball season, the Royals finally return to the K on Thursday. All righty, Michael, did you pick one of those stories or something completely different? I think the uh, sanctuary cities uh, issue is something that I keep uh, an eye on, not only in Kansas, but uh, across the, our region. I think immigration is going to be a major issue coming up in the Missouri Senate campaign. And uh, I think that was something that uh, you need to keep your eye on. Eric. I picked the fact that we don't know what the redistricting map is for the state of Missouri yet. And <laughs> candidates are going to have to start campaigning and don't know where they're supposed to campaign at. And by the way, that uh, trial on the Kansas uh, congressional map starts on Monday. We'll be watching that. Lisa. As, as the resident millennial here, I can't believe we haven't spent the whole show talking about avocado prices. But, um, <laughs> but I will only say that it, it, there are discussions happening in the Kansas City uh, City Council this week about uh, a few more initiatives um, at aimed at tackling the unhoused population and the homeless issue in Kansas City. One would prohibit camping or tenting on private property, would prohibit uh, loitering. This is in direct response to some of the very public encampments that popped up last year. So that's something we'll be watching for sure. Did you pick avocado prices then, Dave? No, uh, although Lisa bringing up her age is... I, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> I mean, I just... That, that, that concerns that was me a little bit. not a fair bit. game. All right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, no, here's a story that I think we should pay attention to. On January 6th, uh, as the uh, disturbances at the Capitol were uh, being put in place, Donald Trump tried to call Josh Hawley. Josh Hawley apparently tried to call him back. Hawley's role in the events of that day remains uh, uh, vague and opaque. Uh, we may, may get some more clarity on that in the weeks ahead. And on that, we will say our week has been reviewed. Thanks to the stars Dave Helling, KCUR's Lisa Rodriguez, Channel 9's Michael Mahoney, and always on call at the Kansas City Call, Eric Wesson. And I'm Nick Haynes from all of us here at Kansas City PBS. Be well, keep calm, and carry on.